Hey guys, this is Pete, just inviting you to check out my ebook novels, Frankenstein Souls Echo and Frankenstein A Life Beyond. Uh, also, my award winning children's chapter book, Princess Belle and the Dragon's Charm, all on EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks, now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. What are you doing here? I'm doing a double shift. What's it look like? How long have you worked here? A couple months. Yeah. The manager here? Do you have a supervisor? No. They... How long have they worked here? I'm not telling you. Yeah. Where do you live? I'm not telling you that either. Where's your manager live? I used to. What are, what are you doing here? What are I you... work here. What are you doing here? I work here. And how long have you worked here? Only a couple months. All right. All right. What's done is done. Just forget about the whole thing. You all right, man? Sure. With your host. Pete, get off my plane. And Greg. All right, everyone. Chill. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. We all have these terrible stories to get over, and you... It's not true. Some of us have great stories, pretty stories that take place at lakes with boats and friends and noodle salad. Just no one in this car. But a lot of people, that's their story. Good times, noodle salad. What makes it so hard is not that you had it bad, but that you're that pissed that so many others had it good. No! All right. Where were you in 1997? Well, let's see. It was a magical year, 1997. Probably a Yankees team was in the World Series. No. No, it wasn't, sir. 1997. Let me pull a little Austin Powers and go think. Right, right, right. Yeah, good. Good call. Never mind. Uh, I wonder why I blotted that wonderful <laughs> World Series out of my mind. <laughs> Come on. Matt Williams will remind you always who was in that well, Him and a little pitcher named Jose Mesa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Joey Table was responsible for everyone's bliss that fall. Well. But you know who else was responsible for everyone's bliss that year? Titanic. Well, we did need a king of the world. <laughs> That's right. All right, so uh, 1997, the box office that, uh, as we're prepping for this show, I went through the top 100 domestic box office of the year and realized I think I saw about 85% of the films in the theater well, that year. <laughs> if you didn't see number 83 on here, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Because um, then you didn't really experience 1997, my friend. <laughs> oh, good burger, sure. Uh, well, uh, but I, I will preface this by saying that this was one of the two years that I had an internship at a local movie marketing place that I think is still around. And I think they're probably in major cities everywhere where they have... They, they kind of handle the local marketing for 
movie studios, and I had an internship there. So I'm not kidding. When I think I saw, I, I haven't actually counted, but I would say at least 70 out of the top 100 movies in this domestic gross list I saw in the theater. Cause, I've seen quite a few of these, but definitely not anywhere near that in the theater. Yeah, it was, it was gross. I think this was my year the, that I had that going on. So, uh, and, and it was kind of crazy. But outside of just seeing everything, yeah, I think I'd, I'd say I've probably seen probably 80 of the 100 movies on here, just seen, period. All right. Well, since, since, you're, since you're so well-grounded, so to speak, with uh, this particular list and everything, I'm going to throw well, out a you. question that I don't think that we've done with any of the previous list shows and everything. Where does this one... Where does this summer or this year kind of rank for you? Was this like just spot looking at the overall uh, list and the movies on it and everything? Was this like fairly average, like above, below, somewhere just like I, you're just scratching your head as to why some of these things were hits? Where where's this fall? Um, I would it has some decent movies in it but oh as a whole i don't think it's the greatest cinematic year of all time but my example would be is that this was one of the first years that i remember watching the academy awards and actually having seen all five of the nominees and like actually liked them and there had been years where I had seen some of them, but I, I don't think up to this point I had ever actually seen all five Oscar Best Picture nominees during a year and gone, oh, I, I have some semblance of an idea what's going on while I'm watching the broadcast of the Oscars. Whereas this year, I remember it distinctly because we were in the middle of college, middle of, you know, Film school. I'm going to be a filmmaker, man, and film it's, it's all about the films. It's all about cinema. And so I remember seeing all five, and I think to this day, without even looking at the list, let me look up to the sky, the clear blue skies. Ooh. And let me think. The five Best Picture nominees of 1997, Titanic, As Good As It Gets, L.A. Confidential, Goodwill Hunting, and the full Monty, there's the, there's your five, and I don't think I could do that for any other year in history. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just something weird about 1997 that yeah, that, that combination of being in the heart of film school, wanting to see everything, and then having the passes to see half the damn movies for free. So uh, this was your film buffet year. It really was. It was like yeah. seeing everything. <laughs> so. Uh, what about you? Where are you on this list of 100 movies? You said you've seen a lot of them. and I'm, I have seen a lot of them. I Again, I did not see nearly nearly as many of these in the theater when they came out and everything. Um, this is kind of a weird list to me, kind of looking back on it. Some of these, I feel, are just kind of like 90s canonized cheese that I don't know if you didn't, if you weren't around when they first came out, how well you can connect to them or how well they've aged. And yeah, some of these is just kind of like, Oh, that came out this year. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a strange little crossroads list, I guess for me. Well, um, what I find interesting about this list is I just scrolled through it real quick. Mm. There's not that many franchises in here. 
Yeah, no. And what there are is, on average, the first of franchises. There's, uh, you know, the first Men in Black or... Um, I take that back. <laughs> oh yeah, the the first Men in Black, the first I know you did what you did last summer. Um, the Kiss the Girls was the first of those Morgan Freeman Ashley Judd movies that kind of dominated for a very brief time. The first Austin Powers. I don't know if you wanted a Star Wars connection to the franchise stuff, you got that this year too. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, also you got all the Star Wars <laughs> movies are released for some reason. We know why, and it yeah, was great. Well. It was cool. So yeah, there's there's some things in here that are part of franchises, and some of them are. It, it's it's just a, it's an odd year in yeah in just yeah. in the Hollywood world of just franchises. What we live in now, it's an odd year where we have some stuff beginning and some stuff that's just petering out. <laughs> like you've got, you know, the the last of the '90s Batman's that just killed it, and um. You, you're you're in the heart of that horror renaissance with Scream Two, and I know what you, what you did last summer, and uh, this is before we went hog wild with CGI. I mean, there's definitely CGI stuff in a lot of these movies, but it was different <laughs> in this era. Yeah, and you, you've got kind of the remnants of that initial burst of Disney coming back where you got Hercules and you got Flubber and you got George of the Jungle, but you know, Pixar hadn't really taken over yet. They'd only done Toy Story. They were still a year away from doing their second movie, The Bug's Life, so uh, you know, you just kind of have that stuff petering out a little bit. Uh, you got Speed 2 for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the first one made money. Uh, that's all we need. <laughs> you got you got the last of the vac- original vacation movies, Vegas Vacation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the last of the real like you know Home Alone movies. So that was on about done. Um, rolling I'm through. I mean, apologize if anybody just heard a great big pop in their ears. I moved the computer and I think the cord. Damn you. Damn so, you. Sorry. The hell. Sorry. You, you've got the end of Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it started with Wyatt Earp. And, well, what would you say he started winding down? I mean, he hit his stride in the early 90s, and then he started choosing his stuff, and he did Wyatt Earp, and it was like, oh, well, it's not Tombstone. And he did... Waterworld, and you're like, oh, well, we look back on the 90s and think Titanic, and then he did The Postman, we're like, oh, oh. that's something. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it just kind of faded out, and then a couple years later, he did 13 Days, which I don't think is too super popular, but in our little but, circle, it's but, fantastic. Yeah, we're, we know it, and, <laughs> and then we'll he, talk about it for hours for no good reason, mostly with jokes, but we <laughs> also... <laughs> like the movie regardless of so i think costner had a bit of a uh a michael keaton moment there where he just petered out in the end of the 90s just kind of faded into the background and now he's back and doing more character roles and taking on tornadoes uh that too for some reason yeah. <laughs> for some reason <laughs> i'm back into that all right so we I guess we kick off at a hundred just cause it's round. I don't know what that is. Don't know what that is. Don't, I mean, we, we I, I can scroll down in the first. And, movie. and if anybody's really curious, we're going off the box office mojo, 1997 top grossing movies list. So yeah, domestic 
Gross. Domestic. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, one hundred is the sixth man, or something, starring uh, Owain's brother. Yeah, and I mean, just for the sake of brevity, uh, too late. Uh, the first movie on the list as we go down uh, that I actually ever saw was that old feeling, which again was a free pass, and it was. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> was Dennis Farina and uh, what's her butt? Uh, uh, Bette Midler. That's right. It was just kind of like this. We're kind of in the grumpy old men phase thing, so let's do something like that with old people because people like that, and it was stupid. Uh, I don't really remember it. Uh, then the postman saw, and then just kind of keep rolling. Okay, down. now you you actually saw the postman. I saw in, in the theaters. No, did no. not okay. see the postman in theaters. I saw it okay. a couple years later on DVD. And is that is it bad because it's just no slow, it's... or is it just flawed because of the premise, or what? Like what's fatal about that movie? Because it's not it has it has a toxic reputation. It's, oh, God, I don't really remember it enough to give it a full grade of whatever. I, I remember watching it going, well, it wasn't dog shit, but it was not great. It just took forever to get going. It was Costner just letting it roll instead of editing. <laughs> I mean, it would be very <laughs> helpful. People do have editors, sir. So it, it, did he, he directed that one, right? Yeah. I think that yeah, was the last okay. one he directed. And probably yeah, a long time. Disney remake at 92. Yeah, as I roll through, I, I Gone Fishing, the last of the Joe Pesci. I think that's actually what Joe, that is. Joe Pesci and... Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Is uh, Well, let's just do one more. And Joe Pesci said, I'm out. <laughs> Tail lights on Pesci. <laughs> He's <What>? gone. <laughs> What's that? The bathroom's remodeled. We're, we're good. <laughs> Goodbye, America. <laughs> uh, and then there's just a whole bunch of cheese. I mean, down to 80, uh, 82 is... Uh, did you ever see The Apostle? I remember that being a bit of a hit that year. Uh, a hit? Well, um, oh, it, it, well, it was Duvall was nominated for it. So right. Yeah. There you that. go. But no, don't. don't it know. got okay. It got buzz of some type. I just remember that. Um, funny enough is that uh, even though I've never seen him. Apparently, the Airbud movies has a very long and lucrative franchise that's been going for years. And here's the first one at number eighty five. <laughs> and apparently they're really cheap to make and they make some money and they made like seven or eight of them so far. It's just like, okay, do you have the CGI dog ready? <laughs> it's a dark little corner of Hollywood where just, somebody's just, making money. Just change the Jersey on the dog. and We've got a new movie. <laughs> Uh, Good burger was something off of like Nickelodeon or something. I never quite yeah. understood it, but it's got us Keenan Thompson, the, the ever ready battery of, uh, Saturday Night Live who just won't stop. <laughs> He's just still there. He's got some good bits. He's got some good bits. Yeah. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I think I told you, my brother was a big Clint Eastwood fan. So he and I went to see that one summer night and oh, 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 not recommend <laughs> well, I know people who liked the book didn't like the movie. I mean, that's not too unusual. But uh, yeah, I've only like I was on YouTube. I've only seen snippets of that here and there, and it just doesn't look like 
much of anything. It looks very slow and disjointed. Yeah. Mimic was one that, again, that was a free pass, but it's got something different because it's like the first big uh, Hollywood Guillermo del Toro movie, and he's made his waves since then. Uh, that's another it, that's another very strange little setup movie. Yeah, like I think that's the ones where they're in the they're they're down in the sewer and the bug dresses up like people or something. Something like that and it had yeah. Josh Brolin. I think that's the one that had Mira Sorvino in it. She was right off of her Oscar. Oh yeah, yeah, she was in that. I think uh, she got yeah, she got two movies on here. Um I don't know. Maybe that wasn't her because there's another one that was very similar that I think was her. Maybe she was the relic. I don't remember who was who. Uh, let me look here. I see. Uh, the no, the relic was Penelope Ann Miller and Tom Sizemore. Okay, hey. yeah. <laughs> but they were both kind of in that similar late summer weird horror kind of thing. I always just equate <laughs> both of them together. Well. What was Josh Brolin doing before he was Thanos? <laughs> uh, Bran and drunk. <laughs> uh, apparently he was in Mimic. <laughs> yes, he was, sort of. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Murder at 1600 I never saw, did you? Yeah, it was just it was yeah, Wesley Snipes and Diane Lane and yeah, whatever. Kind of a 90s th- th- would-be thriller type thing. Yeah, like, well, we're at the White House, so here we go. Hey, look, we have TVs. Well, we, had a, we had a bunch of president movies this year. We had TVs, Alan Aldo. Let's make him a bad guy. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, Boogie Nights. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Boogie Nights was the first of the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson world of movies, and he's gone on to make other movies. Hey, you guys seen Boogie Nights? Hey. Hey, guys. I got to hang out with Heather Graham on that set. That was pretty great. Bill <laughs> uh, Reynolds is coming back in a big way, America. American Werewolf in Paris. Well, I never saw the first one, so I never uh, saw I saw the one, one in London. I, I, I think I saw this one once, and I just remember, I think this one has quite a bit of CGI in it, and I don't remember it being particularly good. Yeah, well... The first one that I have as far as my free passes that summer that's on the next list is Event Horizon. A movie that literally had me both shaking and scratching my head. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> it was one of A the movie most... that has somehow garnered some kind of little <laughs> subculture cult, following that uh, still to this day, if I tried to sit through it, I'd be going... What is happening and why? <laughs> I think the dog agrees that it was just crazy talk. It was, man. The that, ship spent a hell was, or something. It was such a unique experience in the theater. I, I have never been a part of a movie that... It, do you remember there being much of a crowd for that? Well, or? yeah, was, uh, there was always crowds because it was the okay. free passes. I was always there. Oh, well, okay, passes, that's so. fair. And okay. I always had to, quote, unquote, work it by, like, you know, taking reaction out. moments. <laughs> no, just kind of, like, reaction moments and writing it down. Oh, okay. It's right. a little report back at the end of the movie. So that's what I was kind of doing as an intern. And I remember this one writing down going, I, I think my, my summation was, I've never seen an audience turn in 
a 180 so incredibly fast on a movie because <laughs> well, was... we got one coming up further up the list what i can say that about <laughs> uh, well um, but on event horizon was just like you know the it was almost split in half it was like the first well about the first 70 percent of the movie the people were, oh this is interesting and it's a horror movie and i guess if i like horror movies this is great and we'll follow along with it this is kind of crazy but then all of a sudden, Lawrence Fishburne has a line in the movie that is the only time I've ever seen everyone completely turn on a movie on one line. Where was it? Where, where Sam Neill is like all of a sudden possessed and all right, evil. I'm and all of a sudden there's spikes. The there's spikes. Why? And then Lawrence Fishburne just comes to the camera and just like, oh, oh, we're leaving. And everybody just cracked up, and from there on out, the movie was just down a roller coaster of hell. It was. <laughs> You've been had, people. <laughs> I just was never seen anything like that. But uh, yeah, so there's there's my little story on that one. Um, oh, I, I've heard that that was supposed to be much more like gory and disturbing, and they it backed was. off of using that footage. And uh, I don't know if that's got anything to do with just the massive like tonal shifts and leaps and logic or what but, well that's what it is oh, is that you have the first part is like this psychological thrill or whatever and then all of a sudden the second half just turns into this gory monster fest of psycho psychedelic edits and you're like what is this it was yeah. so different yeah it was yeah. weird uh, I remember the edge the Alec Baldwin bear movie with Anthony Hopkins I had to sit through and was Bored. Bored. But was L. McPherson <laughs> happier to be in that or Batman and Rock? <laughs> Bored. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, I guess I could walk through a scene here. <laughs> oh, my. Quit trying to make L. McPherson happen. Um, number 74 is one we've already had an, a full episode on and holds up. Popcorn. That's right. Gross Point Blank holds a special place in heart. Uh, yeah. 73 is a Robin Williams, Billy Crystal joint of forgetfulness that I only remember because Paul McCartney did a song for it or something. Father's Yeah, Day. I wouldn't. I had a clue, man. I'm glad you can dredge that one up. Uh, out to Sea, is that? Yep. There's another one of them. Hey, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau are the hot couple again. Let's make them do everything. And this is terrible. Well, we've, we've, no, did they do, they only did two of those grumpy old men movies, right? Yeah, they did two grumpy okay, old men. So this is like the unofficial third one. <laughs> no, uh, what this one, is, well, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting my things mixed up. Yeah, Out to Sea was just its own thing, but there was, they actually did, and I don't think it was this year, but. They did do a odd couple part two. Like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was terrible. And it was. You like, never go again. You can never go home again, old man. <laughs> but I guess you can <laughs> Which is interesting because now that I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, that does actually qualify into that episode of uh, same actors coming back to roles 30 years later kind of thing. That's what they did. But it was not good at all. <laughs> Uh, people, uh, Romy and Michelle. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say people have a following for Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. I, eh, Probably Lisa Kudrow's most popular film. Uh, well, yeah, as a star. I mean, she was in uh, Easy A, Emma Stone's movie. So uh, yeah. Uh, 
fools rush in. There's another one of those little throwaway rom-coms with Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek that I saw in the theater and on its endless runs in the 2000s on TBS or TNT on a Saturday afternoon. (laughs) Home Alone 3. We didn't get many people back. (laughs) Home Alone 3. It's over. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The original one came out 90? Yeah, 90. Yeah. And then the Donald Trump uh, train took over part two for some reason. God God damn it. Oh man, we're just rolling right through the cast of Friends here as we get to pick Picture Perfect with the hey. Jennifer Aniston uh, rom com of whatnot, um, whatever. <laughs> it just <laughs> set us up for another decade of, and a half of hey, look, it's Jennifer Aniston and another one of these things. Hey, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, I think, was one of the last Farley movies, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's got to be. Right he died in '97, so this has to be, if not the last, one of the last. Uh, don't know what for. Oh, Tim Allen. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Tim uh, Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley dressed up like Amish people. <laughs> Metro. Metro. Uh, it's uh, Eddie Murphy. For some reason, <laughs> yeah. Eddie Murphy's 1980s were Eddie Murphy. Oh my God! And Eddie Murphy's 1990s is Eddie Murphy. For some reason, and Eddie Murphy's 2000s uh, is. I'm trying oh, to. I'm no. trying to think of like what would be his top movie from the 90s. Uh, didn't he do? He was like a politician or something like that in the early 90s. It would have to be something for he was in. Uh, no, well, I I don't know if it's his top movie, but my favorite one would be his. Uh, 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 Steve Bowfinger. Steve, yeah, Bowfinger. Steve Martin. Um, and that was ninety nine. It's like the last thing he was good in. <laughs> uh, uh, there's the relic, which whatever. Uh, addicted to love. Don't know. Addicted what, to love. What you are. Meg Ryan, for some reason. Uh, Selena. Uh, yeah, Selena, that was kicked off right for the time. Selena kicked off the J-Lo revolution. Uh, yeah. Wait. It wasn't her first, but it was kind of her first starring. Yeah. She'd done some stuff before, but this was her first, like... Well, she has, she has two movie, two big movies this year, right? She had this, and isn't Anaconda the same year? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so it was... The beginning of the the J Lo songs and Mortal Kombat, sure, uh, <laughs> that's a thing. Mortal Kombat. The the last of the original Vacation movies that it was. Uh, I paid a ticket to go see this one, and I my barely remember anything about this. I remember them driving through the desert, and I remember them all being outside chained up on floats or something at the end and papa giorgio the uh russ is a i don't i don't know whatever it, it, <laughs> it, it uh seven years in tibet it's a random brad pitt vehicle of some reason i never saw uh i've seen that before it's you got to kind of be in the mood for it but it's okay it's got a good soundtrack yo-yo ma does that so oh, fair enough. nothing else i'd say hey check out the soundtrack there you go jackie brown it's only uh, popular because it, Tarantino makes so few movies, and it's one of his movies. Yeah, again, that's one that I don't remember much out of. Well, it is what it is. 
and so's Money Talks with Charlie Sheen and Chris Tucker. Ugh. <laughs> On the poster, it says Charlie Sheen, Chris Tucker, in. Ugh. <laughs> Charlie Sheen, derp de derp. Yeah, this is pre two and a half men Charlie Sheen, where he would just crop up every couple of months in a movie. Yeah, with his face never changing expression, <laughs> always playing the same character with the same look. Um, yeah, it, completely interchangeable. Private parts, Howard Stern movie, saw yep. part of it. Some people said it was funny. Yeah, I didn't think anything of it. How many movies did he do? I think he just did the one. Well, think. wasn't there one? Is Private Parts the like? autobiographical one or yeah. was that a different one yeah that's the oh that's the same thing okay. yeah so i think I it's the same it movie and then we come to the <gasps> peacemaker go back in the catalog that's right we have actually done an episode <laughs> one on of the, the most random episodes we have ever <laughs> done for a movie we did the peacemaker yeah we did so i said about it uh donnie brasco never saw it dap and pacino hoo-ha Devil's Own. Was this Hoo-Ha year? Uh, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, that wasn't the movie. The, the, we're getting to his more uh, everywhere movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Devil's Own. Oh, gosh, that's Harrison Ford, yep. I think. Saw yep. that in the theater, and that was boring. That was a boring movie, yeah. Boring. God, boring, boring. I don't... I don't remember hardly anything about the, we'll call it the plot to that movie, but I, I feel like Pitt has to make some decision about whether or not to turn him in for something. I don't know. This is when Harrison Ford started like trying to play against type and not always be the hero, even though further up the list, we'll have him doing that exact same thing. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, this, we, you got this and then what lies beneath. And, um, I don't know what, I I think it was kind of a dick in six days, seven nights or whatever that movie was six and a half or whatever, whatever that was. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it is 53, so whatever. <laughs> uh, Wag the Dog is actually a very prescient movie for being 20 years old. And I remember seeing that one, too, about the let's make up a a, a war to get rid of a political scandal kind of thing. So it was. Uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of that since that movie came out, haven't we? Uh, soul Food uh, was not the demographic for it. And so I never saw Soul food. Amistad saw in a theater. I was not really big into history at the moment, so I was bored, but I've seen it since. And yeah, it's one of Spielberg's good movies after going back to it. Uh, it's, a, it's a sad, dark movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't go into that one lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Slavery. It is, it is good. It is good. Yeah. But don't go into that one lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh number forty nine is one of them interesting uh ones where I had to keep tallies of the audience responses movies. because uh, nothing to lose. Uh Tim Robbins, Martin Lawrence, a very throwaway, useless movie. 
but it was one of the only few movies I did in that two-year period where the audience gave it a crap ton of high marks because it was lots of funny little bits in an otherwise forgettable movie. And that's why I remember it. And that's another one where I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. It just, it just, it is totally throwaway. Um, Copland is the Stallone got fat to try and win an Oscar. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, this is the era where it's like, I don't know why Hollywood seemed to feel like it owed him a debt. They're like, well, we, we gotta get behind some project of his. And, uh, what was the tunnel movie? Uh, crap. I can like picture yeah, the poster can... for it and everything. Was there something with an daylight? R? Oh, daylight. We gotta get these people daylight, out of here. Daylight and like <laughs> formula one and Copland and Copland. I remember getting talked up like a ton. Yes. And then just kind of you watch it and you're just kind of like, um, there's no flow to this whatsoever. <laughs> and, just every now and again, it's like, ah, look, it's Sylvester Stallone and he's fat. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a cop, and okay, he's no yeah, Brian just, Dennehy. Oh uh, well, who is <gasps> Brian Dennehy? Um, yeah, but <laughs> no, that that's probably best left in the past, unless you're a huge Stallone fan. Yeah, uh, Bean is the Mr. Bean. Oh. I never saw, never saw, never saw. Did you? Were you a Mr. Bean head person? Uh, again, I think I saw some stuff of that on television and for like, you know, under five minutes, maybe you could roll with it a little bit. And, but I can't imagine sitting through a whole movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get to an unknown indie at number 46. Um, mm. what is this return of the Jed E special edition? I don't understand what that is. So. The Jedi? Sure. (laughs) Sounds like some crappy art house Scorsese movie. What's so special about this edition? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it's proof positive that you can put an Ewok in it and still make $45 million for doing nothing. (laughs) Putting a bad CG singer in it and and still make... Guess what? This this year funded the prequels, my friend. (laughs) Really, really did. You're almost at like $200 million domestic just... Uh, we, we like to call 1997 George Lucas's pure profit year. <laughs> the fleecing of America continues. <laughs> yes. But hey. I think, God, I think before, like, I think the um, year before this, like around Christmas time, I was working at Target during Christmas break. And I think that's when they put out the last um, taped releases of the originals before these came out in theaters and everything. And I remember people like snatching those up. Yeah. I think I got those somewhere. Yeah. He was, and, and they had, uh, they had released that new like toy figure line where all of a sudden everybody was like really buff. So, yeah, they were they were uh, they were definitely cranking cranking out the nostalgia here. So in he should have changed episode four. <laughs> it was just this mass marketing where he changes the action figures. Everybody's really buff, and then all of a sudden he redoes the scene where it's like, "I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you." And suddenly she turns like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
wait a we minute. We changed the score up a bit. <laughs> wait a second. What is this? Han and Luke have an arm wrestling match over who play as they're, hand. You know, they're, they're not they're not playing that game anymore back there on the board and the Falcon. They're just arm wrestling. <laughs> Uh, uh, we got land or bikini now in episode four. <laughs> what? Oh. Wait, why? Are you, why did they have you in a bikini? They've been torturing me. <laughs> Put her in a bra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the nineties, after all. Uh, yeah, we probably weren't too far off. Oh my! We probably did talk about it for all we know. <laughs> Uh, we got another in the long line of Grisham movies next, The Rainmaker, which never saw. This has got to be getting close to the end of that run, though, because that, that started with The Firm in 92, and I I kind of feel like by 97 it would have mostly been played out. Well. I mean, it, did, it made money, obviously, that there's year. There's a couple more, that I think, that were made, but... I, wasn't uh, Time to Kill a Grisham movie, too? Because that was the same. This was 97, wasn't it? Maybe. I don't know. I don't see it anywhere on the list. Too. Maybe it was 98. Well, I, this is the top 100. I mean, it could be further down the yeah, list. Yeah, but I seem to remember Time to Kill being a big deal. It was the beginning of the McConaissance. The McConaughey time was... That's the first time I ever saw him. was uh, in a Time to Kill. I could have swore that. Well, eh, whatever. But... Uh, the Fulmani already talked about that was another one got free passes and everyone that was one of the first times I remember hearing like advanced buzz about an indie film like like now I could hear about you know, all these people on the internet and podcasts and YouTube shows and whatever talking about something came out of Sundance but it's not released to the world until December but you gotta you can't wait to see it you hear about it and back then in the 90s it was either a big franchise thing or you didn't hear about it. And I some I somehow remember hearing about people really pumping up the full Monty. And so I got my family to passes to go see it. And they all fell in love with it. And as did everybody else in the world that year. I only remember seeing that once. Was there a sequel? Did they do a sequel to this? Man, I, they did. It was direct to DVD. I didn't know. I don't know. I, I oh boy, I hope so. <laughs> uh, Alien Resurrection. Why? <laughs> I'll leave that one to you, sir. <laughs> My and <alien>. the rest. <laughs> well, this this should have been this. If uh, Alien Three wasn't the canary in the mine, this definitely should have been for the Alien versus Predator movies and pretty much everything that's come after, for the most part. Um, you know, I. I really like Josh Whedon and his body of work and everything, but this one escapes me. I don't know what they were thinking with this one. What were you thinking? I don't know. <laughs> uh, G.I. Jane, the heat of Demi Moore is going to get paid like the big boys and be the first actress to get like $20 million for a movie, and it's this movie, and I think that... But she her, shaved her head. Yeah, but I think that ended her real quick, unfortunately. I mean, she had talent or whatever, but she was really just trying to keep up with then-husband Bruce Willis, I think. It almost seemed like they were just in a... Well, I'm, I've got to be the most... It's almost She wasn't really... I'm trying to remember what other movies she would have been making in this era. Well, I mean, it started with Ghost. That was her big right. bomb. 
And then right. uh, it was. Uh, no, you had a few good men. Yeah, and then she did. It's almost like her. The, the I think the meme in the '90s was as Demi's hair grew out, she got worse, and then she shaved it off, and was like, "Oh wait, you lost it." <laughs> it was like the meme. It was like really shortened ghost. And then it was uh, slightly longer for A Few Good Men. And then it was slightly longer for Disclosure with Michael Douglas. And then it was really long as ugly for Striptease. And you're like, what the fuck? And then she shaved it down for uh, G.I. Jane. And everybody's like, oh, okay. And you're done. (laughs) So (laughs) it's unfortunate. But um, the game. I I don't know. What's the game? What's the last thing that she was in that was like. To me a thing yeah uh well she's been in stuff i know she's been in stuff but i'm saying as far as like really playing a central role and getting some accolades for it well, i mean see, this, two th- you're things. right i mean this literally might be it that's two different things like i remember her big comeback quote unquote was the charlie's sure. angels sequel Right, uh, where it was like, Which oh, we got that score, and yet that ended that didn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> um, I there was a movie a couple years ago that I saw her do with uh, Duchovny, but it was such a nothing movie. I just remember seeing it, and it wasn't that long ago, where she was like a fake suburban housewife or something. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was. Yeah, it, it did. I'm a little surprised they never found some kind of franchise to stick her in back during this era. Well, I'm. I guarantee you, she was on that quote unquote short list of who's going to be in a who's going to be the next villain in a Batman movie kind of thing. It was. I, oh, well, that could be. Bet you anything, she was on the who's Poison Ivy. Well, who's the popular actresses of the time? Because it's like the. You know, any movie that came out in the 80s. Well, who was up for this role? Schwarzenegger and Stallone. <laughs> it's any, anyone. I, I bet that around this time it was, who's up for this role? Michelle Pfeiffer and Demi Moore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably. And Sandra Bullock. Uh, the Game. Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Another one of them freebies that I saw and didn't really appreciate David, at the David time. Fincher. Yeah, Fincher. I, I didn't appreciate it at the time. It's not great going back to it either, but it was still like, oh. No, I mean, it was Fincher was getting his feet wet. I mean, it was after seven, so he'd already, I'd say. He yeah, this is, this is probably his third major movie? I'd be very possible. I mean, he did the Alien movie, and this was right before Fight Club, so that's yeah. where he really took off. Speaking of oh, Sandy Bullock. <laughs> and not taking off. <laughs> Speed 2. What the What the fuck? <laughs> Speed 2. Oh, God. I got a, I had a beach just, towel from this. <laughs> just, just, just why? It, because the first one made money. But then even. It I wasn't know. Good enough for but I mean, it, it, you go, you go back and you try to sit through this and it's painful. It's terrible. Terrible. And hey, Volcano. The Tommy Lee Jones Volcano movie. Put the magma down now. Yeah. It, it, it was boring. Well, <laughs> it was an we action were, movie. We were all about the natural disaster movies in the late 90s, and here you go. <laughs> it was just boring. I, I, There's no other way to put it. I, the, the This one and Dante's Peak are just both 
boring. <laughs> they away were... from the slowly moving magma. Ma- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Whatever. Wait, this is a volcano and we can just move? Well, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah that, uh, this, this is another one that to me just never really had. I mean, again, it made money, but it just never had any chance of being good because of the basic premise and where they chose to set it. Cause they're like, well, we'll here, we'll stop the volcano. What the volcano. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> put, put some dry ice in front of it. Okay. Well, let's all go home now and hope that that big <laughs> volcano underneath us doesn't blow up tomorrow. Oh, sounds good. You're a hero. <laughs> Hopefully <Wow>. it stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Absolute Power, yet another in the Clint Eastwood. I saw it in a theater, and it wasn't as boring as Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. (laughs) Hey, hey Clint, you're coming up in the world. (laughs) But it also wasn't very memorable either. It was... Well, these are are some of his earlier directing efforts, too, after Unforgiven and everything, right? Well, no, I mean, he'd been directing since the 70s. So, oh, okay. yeah. I mean, he directed a couple of things in the 80s and then did Unforgiven. So it was just like him continuing. But for some reason, he just decided that in 97, he was going to do everything really quietly. Everything's really quiet. And it's got it's, little jazz piano scores. It's and, more intense if it's quiet. <laughs> and, and no one ever runs. And no one's voice ever gets above here. For two movies. <laughs> That's what I remember about Clint Eastwood. I'm going to be direct with you. I fell asleep in the chair. <laughs> really did. But Clint, you were in this movie. Oh, yeah. I forget. Was I? <laughs> Wink. Yeah. Um, uh, breakdown. I actually just went and rewatched this a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's and unfortunately, it's like the end of the fantasticness that was J.T. Walsh and his yeah. awesome bad guyness. Yeah, it's like the preeminent bad guy well, of the nineties. Still kind of holds up a little bit. I mean, as far as like some of the comedic value of some of the acting at points and everything aside, um, it's a B movie. It's just an excellent B yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it holds up. Yeah. And speaking of holds up, the uh, first on the list after uh, well after Gross Point Blank that's just still sticking around is Austin Powers, the original. Yeah. Just, oh, God, I never forget going to the theater at school and there was nobody there. <laughs> I was going to say, this is, the, this is the essence of a movie finding its audience after its theatrical run. Exactly. Because it's like, why is no one here? This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then suddenly, <laughs> about eight months later, everyone's walking around school quoting Austin Powers. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. That was uh, yeah. That was, and then the start of that quick run of three movies. And yep, maybe we'll do an Austin Powers somewhere down the line. Of should it come back? Would it come back? We don't know. Uh, there was there was talk, wasn't there? There's always been talk. And fifteen years later, there's always going to be talk. talk. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Starship Troopers, they're talking about doing a TV version of this now, and everyone's like, oh, it was so subversive, man. It was Paul Verhoeven being anti-PC, man, and it was just kind of crazy, man. And I watched it, and I'm like, well, that Dina Meyer is pretty hot. 
but <laughs> I don't I don't get this movie. I'm sorry. I tried to watch I, it. I don't, don't get think it. there's a whole lot to get out of it. Now, was this based off of a graphic novel or off of a what was it? It was based off something. I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. And I don't know if I want to go digging to look. I'm not that ambitious. Sci fi based on based book. off of okay, something and, based off of a book. So, OK. Uh, and people saying, I, I think, again, fans of the books were kind of going, well, this isn't reflective fully of the books. And sure. I don't know. Again, if you like kind of like we were saying, it's very solid B movie <laughs> kind <laughs> of material. Starship Troopers. There you go. And and like I said, it, 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 the only thing that comes out of it is everybody's pushing Denise Richards at this time. But for me, uh, one of my, uh, you know, unknown all-time celebrity crushes, Dina Myers in the movie. So there you go. Uh, Spawn. Blah. Well, they're going to redo it. I'm just going to put a big... uh, this movie was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Stamp on that one. <laughs> uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen CG that was so, so, so bad. Like, yeah. I'd seen early CG and like, oh, this is early CG. But this was after Jurassic Park CG. And then all of a sudden you see the cape on Spawn and you're like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> That's if, terrible. You, if you really want to appreciate the evolution of... Uh, superhero movies if you want to subject yourself to this feel free but (laughs) don't yeah this is definitely way down towards the bottom of the barrel (laughs) uh the jackal never Uh, i I remember seeing this in the theater yeah it it just yeah i have my richard gear phobia so it was so flat (laughs) yep that seems to be uh the rounding results of 1997 oh god these are just boring <laughs> well again i i feel like so many of these movies and i we really haven't you know we've been kind of moving through this but so many of these things it's like well all right you might have a vaguely decent general premise and everything like that but when it came to you know coloring in the lines and everything it's just ugh. this movie has no ambition whatsoever it's just literally i'm bruce willis i'm a killer and i kill people Hi, I'm Richard Gere. I am a hero. I stop people from getting <laughs> killed. And I, that's literally the movie. I, we're going to keep going here because we're, we're up to uh, 33. But I think the uh, overall summation of 1997 is going to end up being, wow, that's a really great idea. How can we do that in the most boring fashion possible? Because <laughs> there's just so many examples of. Uh, yeah, there's more coming up, aren't there? Looking here. Uh, like, uh, Anastasia, yeah. I actually did see that. That's one of, God, that's got to be one of the last animated, especially like 2D animated things that I remember ever seeing in the theater. Yep. Skip that one. Uh, jungle to Jungle. Wasn't that Tim Allen? Skip that one. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. I care about Tim Allen. Nope. Uh, Kiss the Girls is the. Uh, beginning of that ashley judd morgan freeman run um yeah i feel like they had like six movies they probably only had like three <laughs> yeah i think it was only like two or three but yeah but they was, all were kind of very 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 similar yeah and and speaking of the uh demi moore thing i mean this was that that quick burst on the scene of ashley judd is the 
queen of Hollywood for a very, very short time. That kind of her very brief run. It's yeah, she's another one. I'm kind of surprised they never really found more of kind of a. I mean, I guess she found kind of found a niche with this, but um, that she didn't really go any further. It just seems like that's very unfair. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that we're saying these things are unfair to women in Hollywood. <laughs> Who would ever say? <laughs> how could how could that be? <laughs> but yeah, it just seems like we're we're coming out with the the most glaring examples here in this year of you know the 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 small burst of time that women have in Hollywood to run the thing run the show versus men for a long yeah. period of time where you've got oh, Demi Moore's on top of the world. Oh, this bomb, she's gone. Whereas, yeah, I mean, we literally, when we were talking about her, we went through what, like four films? <laughs> and yeah. Then we were like, oh, and then it was done. Yeah, versus like, you know, yeah. Volcano. It's it's Tommy Lee Jones at the top of a game. Oh, that's crap. Yeah, but he's just going to keep making crap for the next like many, many years. <laughs> and still hey, I'll it. stand by this No Country for Old Men performance. Well, yeah. Decade later, but fair enough. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> and then we get to the devil's advocate. <laughs> Look at your sister, Keanu. Don't you want to? Hey! <laughs> this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, another one of them. Oh, well, there's sort of a premise here. I think somebody said, what if the devil was a lawyer and it was Al Pacino? Oh, okay. Do we have to write uh, anything? Uh, just take a week and figure it out. Yeah, it's either got to be based off of something or somebody was doing a lot of cocaine. I don't know which, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, well, let's see what it gives us as a category. If you, if you want Pacino dialed up to 11, check it out. <laughs> uh, there is no category for it, so I think it was an original. Wow, Tony Gilroy wrote it. The uh, often going to screenwriter now did all the Bourne movies, redid Rogue One. So mm, okay. there's an interesting through line. Well, I, I guess he got better. Had an early Charlize Theron and... Uh, oh yeah, she is a movie, isn't she? And outside of Gladiator, the only other time I ever saw Connie Nielsen in a movie before Wonder Woman was in Devil's Advocate. So, mm. kaboom! <laughs> the Saint, the Saint, <laughs> yet another. Well, There's you've got there. a premise here, <laughs> but it's so boring. They they set up conflicts and then it would just be oh don't worry I can deal with it <laughs> let's sit around and hug each other for ten minutes and have some soft music by sneaker pimps play and we can also have an equation here we were just saying in the political world of how women had their run and then went away this is kind of like well we can make Val Kilmer a star oh no. No, no, we can't. He's gone. <laughs> That's, it was very, very short. And it's more along the lines that I think Val Kilmer has... Val Kilmer was, just didn't want to be in Hollywood at this point. In Hollywood, or he just really didn't need to be the leading man. He was more like, let's put him next to Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Let's put him next to... Uh, well, he's Jim Morrison, but he's buried under all the makeup. And, well, he's in Tombstone. That's cool. He's on the side. And then all of a sudden, we can make him Batman. Wait, he's a star. No, well, no, no. We can put him in the do island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think the saint was the beginning of his rapid, like, oh, forget it. <laughs> this ain't going to work. 
Again, I think he just became he was such difficult. a toxic yeah. force on sets, and people just didn't want to work with him, and he didn't really want to be there. And yep, um, this movie just again, it's very languid in its pacing, and um, I, if we wanted to tie back in with the women thing, I mean Elizabeth Shue, she kind of had a second second coming there with um, leaving Las Vegas, and this is probably the back half of that kind of comeback run there. Yeah. And she was never on top of the mountain to begin with. It was just kind no, of, no, like but I mean, got she that definitely Oscar was getting more roles after yeah. that. Oh yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. Appearing more frequently. Uh, the next but one is, House Hunt? I don't know what that is. Uh, I only know this one. Cause again, working for that company in 97 and when DreamWorks began, and like we said in our episode and a couple of numbers back here, the peacemaker was the first, it wasn't the first produced DreamWorks film. Uh, it was the first that came out. It just was the first one that got finished. So it had all the buzz of being DreamWorks Studios' first movie is The Peacemaker. Uh, but they were doing three. And I remember that they kept sending our office all of these packets. And it was the first time I ever got like copies of the cassettes that had just... You know, anytime you used to watch Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood, and we're on the set of The Peacemaker, and here's a behind-the-scenes thing. They they just, you know, the studio would just send these random shots of B-roll of behind-the-scenes stuff, and then the Access Hollywood whatever would just edit in little clips. And they would send us, like, the tapes that were just 15 minutes of just nonstop B-roll of the movies. And I was like, oh, that's kind (laughs) of cool. And they did it for Amstad, Peacemaker, and Mouse Hunt. So I remember seeing all sorts of stuff about that because they were just hyping everything. Like, we're a studio now. We're a studio. We're a studio. So. No, we're super real, guys. Yeah, for We make all. movies. <laughs> we're real. We're crying out loud. So the long round story, short to late, is that that's why I know what Mouse Hunt is. Because to this day, that. Peacemaker and Amistad will always be intertwined in those packets that they kept sending all summer long. Like every week we get a new packet in saying, Peacemaker, Amistad, Mouse Hunt, they're all coming this year. It's like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Um, the movie was uh, just nothing. <laughs> it was just, I was going to say, that is one loss to history on me. Yeah, it was just like this attempt at it's slapstick kitty comedy with Nathan Lane and that guy who was in something about mary <laughs> <Some reason. laughs> yeah whatever uh, hey guy guy hey guy <laughs> you're funny guy get up here you're in the movie uh fifth element i the less said about it the better i, saw, I don't uh, care i saw that in the theater i, I did too. i liked it at the time i haven't seen it in a very long time i'm sure Large swaths of it wouldn't hold up very well today but um eh, just on a nostalgia level yeah, that's one of those that's fun just, to revisit. That's one of those that you have to be the right person for that movie, and I was not. I, I, I just was. I did not like that movie at all. At all. <laughs> well, it's it's all about the style. Well, as we uh, hit into the top twenty-five, we get into mm. what was back in the day along with the whole Ellen DeGeneres coming out on her TV show thing, was the, oh, my God, what is this movie? And and Chasing Amy. 
I think that was the yeah, same year. Same right? year. Yep. Uh, it was in and out, which uh, again got more publicity than anything because it had a an Oscar nomination for uh, what's her butt um, Cusack, <laughs> the Cusack sister, Joan. Yeah, Joan Cusack got a supporting actress nomination out of it, and again, it was another one of them uh, high marks from everybody because it was super hilarious. But again, you. When you see the curtain pulled back a little bit on Hollywood marketing, like, uh, you know, you see a commercial for a movie and they show people coming out of the theater. Oh, it was the most amazing roller coaster time I've ever had. When you get free passes to a movie, you're kind of instantly already ready to like something more than you ever would. And so <laughs> I, I, I got to see this movie for free. Free. Yeah. It's so, the greatest movie. Yeah, it really it is. I mean, most so most people in something like In and Out, oh my god, funny ever. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. It was another one. Uh, of them. Whatever. Again, I this is one I did not see, so I can't really weigh in on it. But it was the whole thing was well, Kevin Klein, his character is so obviously gay, but he doesn't think he's gay. But he might come out as gay. Oh my god, he came out as gay. What is going on? I mean, that that's really what it was. Yeah. L.A. Confidential, Best Picture nominee. I'm sorry. I thought this movie was meh. This is one I actually kind of like going back to. Yeah, see, I, everyone... Uh, Titanic won Best Picture just because it should have been L.A. Confidential. I don't, I don't... I don't agree with that. I don't know if I'm putting them, like, head-to-head or arguing about Oscar stuff. I just... I found this to be um, perfectly entertaining back in the day, and it's one that, you know, if I catch it on somewhere or whatever, um, I'll watch it. I, it's it holds up to me. Um, Fair enough. So kind of a you kind of a, the... kind of a peri- kind of a period piece kind of thing. That's kind of a fun uh, little world to go back into. So we'll, we'll show the dichotomy here, where you're the uh, educated elite who's like, "Well, Fifth Element was classy, and L.A. Confidential was excellent." And I go back to it, and I'm like, "Man, Anaconda was amazing." <laughs> <laughs> Did you, Wilson, you <laughs> stole the show. Did you see Batman and Roman? <laughs> uh, no, I keep on talking up these stupid movies that I had to see where people gave them these high marks, and you look back like, those weren't very good. But that's my memories of this summer, was or this movie year. But well, it's fine. Again, everybody likes what they like. Well, I'm not even saying I like. I'm just saying these are my memories associated when I see these names. And Anaconda was one oh, I had Anna, to see. Anaconda, oh, God, the was, original God. one, at least uh, again kind of if it's on i'd probably sit around depending on where we were at in the movie i'd probably sit around and watch that just uh, because it's so cheese tacular oh man it was good lord that was cheese. john voight with the wink <laughs> <laughs> uh it had, i did not kill montana <laughs> what a young j-lo that's about all it had going for it, it uh, like, oh, that, that is it is a funny funny movie yeah, yeah, and there's the other uh, volcano movie, the Pierce Brosnan Linda Hamilton classic, Dante's Peak. Oh, boy, again, something I barely remember. Isn't there some lake or something? And they have to. The only difference I remember is that they were actually more in a mountainous volcano setting. Yeah, and like... it was it was more of the like ash exploding out rather than just magma bubbling up. Yeah, Volcano, the Tommy Lee Jones one was like the La Brea Tar Pits 
blew up yeah, or something. Whereas right. this one was actually like, it's a mountainous volcano something. Right. Dante's Peak. <laughs> hey. Yeah, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you anything. I know people died in it. <laughs> but uh, if you ask me like characters or plot, I got nothing. Yeah, I got I got nothing. I got nothing. Number twenty one on it or something. Number twenty one is just uh, whatever. Another special edition thing. What? What is this empire and why are they striking back again? Didn't they do that Ugh. already in nineteen eighty? Come on, come on, sequels. <laughs> so give, give me my seventy million dollars for doing nothing. <laughs> really, it. <laughs> ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> really Oh, hey, look, I cleaned up the ad ads. What did that cost me? Fourteen fifty. Okay, give me $70 million. <laughs> okay. Now go buy some of those AT-ATs, you fools. <laughs> go buy my muscular, hulked-out Chewy. <laughs> buy my crap. Uh, uh, that was fun, though, to see in the theater again. I will say that. I mean, oh, yeah, much as we're just joking around yeah, about number, it. Number eight, cool. number eight is the, the moral on the lines of that was the one waiting in line uptown and going to see the original in the theater again. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> I know what you I did know. Last <laughs> There's an amazing amount of people in this movie that uh, you know their names and yet... Eh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Philby, Freddie Prince Jr., and all you can say is, "Okay, well, two oh of my those gosh, pe- I'm in this movie. two of those people met and married. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just was fun. Ba- uh, piggybacking sequel. on Scream. That's all it was. Yep, pretty much. It was a cash grab. Get the young hot stars of the day in there. It really was. Um, number nineteen might be a stay tuned for yeah an episode. We've mentioned that this one before. Yeah, conspiracy theory. Richard Donner directs. Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, uh, entirely, entirely within the realm of a hindsight episode. Because, hey, that's a really cool idea. Hey, that's a really boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! It happened again. Nineteen ninety-seven. <laughs> it really was. It's like, wow. This is just... No, it it was. It it had a it had a nice setup, and it it. Um... I think it really could have been something more than it turned out to be. It's not, again, like unwatchable by any means. Um, it's just not what all it could have. It didn't reach its potential, I guess. Correct. But we have tons and tons of flubber. Uh, <laughs> flubber, you say? Uh, well, the Robin Williams uh, do one for me, do one for them. Yeah, fest. <laughs> Flubber, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. It's like, I'll do, if I can do Goodwill Hunting, I will do your Flubber movie. So that's really what it was. Uh, Hercules, uh, more of them uh, 2D animated end of the uh, line before Pixar takes over Disney things. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, some of the some of the sheen that had been going since uh, the late 80s with The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, by this point, it was... I don't know. I mean, this this movie definitely has its audience. It definitely has people, especially if you were young, who grew up with it, who really like it. Obviously, this was not made for us. But, um, yeah, this was definitely Disney starting to slide a little bit as far as that formula went. 
And now we get into some more of that. That's a really cool idea. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> That's 1997 in a nutshell in the movies. It's That's a really 1997 cool idea. 1997 Jake Busey oh, classic. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go blow you up, Jody. <laughs> I'm committed. <laughs> Jake Busey calling somebody Jody. That's, that's just very melodic to my ears. <laughs> I'm going to blow you up, Jody. <laughs> You got to be a great survivor if you're in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom Scarrett, suck on this. <laughs> uh, uh, is a decent enough movie. It's a Zemeckis film. It's uh, it's got its highs, it's got its lows, but it really it's in that Superman Returns mode of oh man, oh man, oh man. Oh. It just never felt like it wanted to commit to anything to me. No, it, it was following the Carl Sagan book, but it didn't go yet again, 1997. It didn't go yeah. far enough. It just kind of was like, oh, okay, well, I see what you did there, but really? That was all you... Come on. <laughs> you could have done more with that, right? Well, it's just... I don't know if it's just like the conflicts are weak or incomplete or whatever, but it's kind of jumpy, as I remember. You know, yeah, characters a little bit. just kind of come in and then disappear and maybe they come back, maybe they don't. Um and yeah, I mean the protagonist again, Jodie Foster's fine in it, but um you just I don't know, you never really feel invested in her journey, I guess, at least I didn't. Yeah, and to to speak about uh a film sack term, a, a podcast near and dear to our hearts. This movie has one of the biggest prime examples of a chick in the bucket I have ever seen. <laughs> when there is a scene at the beginning of Rob Lowe coming in as this southern talking minister or something and never comes back again. <laughs> hey, it's America. It's Rob Lowe. <laughs> See you later. It really was. Like, what the hell? Like, you it's almost like they thought, well, we don't have McConaughey for today to be our Southern-speaking Baptist preacher, but we got to have him in the scene. Uh, get Rob Lowe. All right. <laughs> and that was just it. Give, just give Rob Lowe the lines. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> um, all right. Talking about uh, giving somebody the keys to the kingdom for uh, Hollywood <laughs> for a couple years and then looking back on it and going, Really? Nick Cage was the king of Hollywood for a while? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Con Air. He's another, another leaving Las Vegas or, um, <laughs> link here. Except that, that they landed in Las Vegas. Wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, yeah, he, he kind of started his little comeback with that, and we were hip deep after The Rock. Yep, and then it was Con Air, and it was, oh, if you can get any more 90s action movie, <laughs> I defy you well, to find. Well, well, I don't know. We got Face Off here shortly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Face Off is its own animal. This is just 90s action movie. They really should rename it on a DVD release, re-release, Con Air, colon, 90s action movie. <laughs> it's 
Oh, Before there was Armageddon, there was <laughs> Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good lord. Uh, Scream 2. I remember being in the heat of uh, passion of following Scream at this time and seeing a midnight release with my cousin of Scream 2 and going, it wasn't as good as the first, but hey, they're telling a story. It's, it, 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 it's pretty good. I don't think I saw this one in the theater. I don't remember really, though. I remember talking to you about it quite a bit, though. So it was. Yeah. Who knows? But it was. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. It was it was part of that uh that, that run there. That Timothy Olafant run <laughs> bad guyness and stuff. Uh, speaking of runs coming towards an end. Uh well, or speaking of someone who's like, wait, Brendan Fraser <laughs> <laughs> George of the Jungle. Oh man. Man, he was cranking out in this time period, I feel like he was cranking out two, three movies a year. I mean, yeah, it was this, then he got into the mummy, um, another mummy. <laughs> it, it was it was just Hollywood seemed desperate to get him into as much stuff as possible. Monkey bone. <laughs> yeah, really was. And it was like, well, okay. I remember George of the Jungle was another one I had to see, and people loved it at the time, but I think... Of all the ones that I'm saying I had to do audience scores, people loved it at the time. This is the only one out of the whole list that I've been saying so far that had the farthest drop versus people loved it when they saw the free screening. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, uh, uh, okay. It was. Well, I I don't know. It's it was my I would I would figure this would be classified under kind of family entertainment. Well, but it was kind of a kind of harmless, but it was kind of like a 21 jump street kind of feel to it, like 20 years ahead of time where it it was it it's it went in like we know the tropes of what we're doing. So we're playing with that, but we're still doing it in a fancy family way. So they didn't go as far, obviously. So that's why I got you. Okay, but. Oh, then we get to number 12. You talk about walking Everybody out. Everybody get off the bus. You talk about walking out of a theater in June 1997 looking like uh, I got punched in the skull. Oh, uh, my God. Somebody just kicked me in the belly after nah, I walked this, out. This one, I, I refuse to get sucked in on this one. I, I, saw, those, I saw those trailers, man. I, I said, no, nah, this just looks terrible. <laughs> And it was seriously, it was like people came back shell shocked. <laughs> Did I mean, you see had, Batman had, and Robin? They just, the, they just had this like <laughs> stare on their face, this blank look on their face, like what did I just witness? And um, they were just going, I I just couldn't believe it could be that bad kind <laughs> of thing. And um, yeah, this was one that I did not see probably for a year or two. Uh, after it came out and I finally just said, all right, I, I, I got to check this thing out just to see if how big of a train wreck at the end of the day, this is. And you're not well, putting me went, in the they cooler went something, <laughs> you, you know, we've accused a lot of these movies of not committing, of not going far enough. This is uh, the opposite end of the spectrum where, man, did they go too far? <laughs> <laughs> is it just a cartoon, everybody? It's just a big giant cartoon. No, it's not. No, it's really not. It's really garbage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Batman and Robin, go away. Uh, we're going to take his face off. off. 
<laughs> I remember really <laughs> digging this movie when I first saw it. Oh, and man, this was John Woo was at, this was John Woo at its height. Nick Cage and Travolta at the height of their powers. It was... All three of these guys unchained as possible. <laughs> I mean, that's what this movie is. And now it's full of face waterfall, face waterfall, face <laughs> waterfall. <laughs> the what? doves are a flying in this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, just again, another one that they committed and they went <laughs> way over there. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't. Go listen to How Did This Get Made on this one. I can't add anything more. We to hate it. movies or, or we something. hate movies because I can't um, add anything to it. It's uh, just, yeah, it's. it's you only can do this movie justice by watching it <laughs> and realizing this was 1997 and the stars of the day were John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. And there you go. And this the, would be something if you have teenagers, please show them this movie just to watch their reactions. And the sex symbol of the movie was Joan Allen. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie? Uh, all right, we're into the top ten here with a Brosnan Bond. Another Brosnan Bond. The Number one I didn't see in the run. theater. Yep, I didn't see this one in the theater because, not because of lack of interest, but because it came out on the same day as our number one here. So I was, I, I and I didn't get around to see it in for like another two years. I don't know. I don't know what kept me away on this one because I am obviously the Bond fan. But um, yeah, I did not see this in the theater. And I have seen it since. And uh, again, there were out there were extenuating circumstances as far as writer strikes and other things kind of factoring into this one. But, yeah, this was this was a miss and it was a disappointment coming off the heels of Goldeneye. Well, tomorrow never dies. Apparently it does. Because <laughs> uh, hey, Jules, you just see the next movie, <laughs> My Best Friend's <laughs> Wedding. Did you see uh, this one? Uh, Cameron Diaz, you want to go? Dermot Mulroney's in this movie being lusted after for some reason. Uh, this is classic '90s rom com, is what yep. this is. This is the height of the Julia Roberts era, and Cameron Diaz just getting started era, and it was. I, I saw this on a double date in college, and it was, yeah, it, 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 if you go 90s rom-coms, it's probably in the top 10 of Yeah, I was going to say, there's definitely other stuff that would be more painful to go back and rewatch. Um, yeah. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing special. There's nothing hellacious about this. It just kind of is how those types of movies were being made during that era. So. Yep. All right. We already talked about number eight. Star Wars. Oh, God. Special. Yeah, special edition. Yeah, that was cool. Hanging out in line, going to see it. $138 million domestic for a <laughs> fucking 20-year-old movie that he did a little bit of work to. Good God. It's just a never-ending uh, And Think about all those Taco Bell toys oh we still God. have from when that came out. Seriously. No, seriously. Seriously, they, they he just if you, I mean, there must have just been dump trucks worth of cash just God. going up to Lucas if to you think the about ranch the and everything. And, between, oh, my God. Between what he had to split with Fox for the distribution 
and the ownership and whatever else and all the toys, if you got to think just the break even after expenses, 1997, I bet you George Lucas pocketed like $300 million for doing a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> 20-year-old movies. That's was... probably where his Scrooge McDuck money vault came from. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got to figure something like that exists after this year. That's just crazy. All right, now we're getting into the run here. Goodwill Hunting, the uh, Matt and Ben show that put them on the map and gave Robin Williams his Oscar. And um, I don't even know if it holds up today because I haven't seen it in like almost 20 years, eh, 15 years. Yeah, it's years, been a very long time since I've watched it. But I remember it being in that run, that that winter run, like I said, of knowing what all Best Picture nominees were. And this was definitely one of them that just... It you got, know, it the would be, got the boy. It would be really interesting to see if this kind of extends beyond kind of the Gen X crowd that it was geared towards at the time, if if this does hold up for people. Well, it's so stylized 90s. I mean, it's very, <laughs> oh, yeah. very stylized 90s. But it is the story-wise, I mean, it was a screenplay. That I Back when they used to sell screenplays as books at a bookstore. Yes, a bookstore, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's a physical place where you buy books. And oh. I bought the actual screenplay to this. I remember it was one of those that I had, and it worked. And I also bought the screenplay to the next movie on the list, which is, as is it really as good as it gets? Uh, which, Shut up, you kids! <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I, I believe there are two movies on this list, or well, no, Star Wars is on this list. So let's see: the Star Wars trilogy and the other two. There are five movies on this list in which you and I have vernacular that's just built into everyday speech. Yeah, yeah. Between Austin Powers, the three Star Wars movies, and as good as it gets, because uh, you know, is this the last time Nicholson cared? Um, well, I mean, didn't he do good in the movie I never saw, The Departed? Yeah, I mean, he was very much being Nicholson Nicholson in that, (laughs) but I feel like he was just being Nicholson in that. This one, I feel like he actually is being a character. I guess. I mean, I never really saw much of his stuff in the early 2000s, so I would guess I, I, I wouldn't see why not. I mean, and he won his third Oscar for this one, so Mm -hmm. I, I would... I would guess why not, but I mean, but for most people, that's their thing. Good times. Noodle salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this one, this one I would recommend people go back and check out. Yes, very much so. But uh, how about President Punch? Do we uh, do we do we think Air Force One is something to go? Oh to? man! Uh, again, is this the last time he cared? Um, yeah, Until this Force is. This is probably right before Harrison Ford totally kind of went off the rails um, with a lot of what he started cranking out after this. This was the last, I think, kind of prototypical what you were used to seeing Ford in the hero role uh, film. Yeah, I think, again, 97, that weird culmination point of either the start or the end, I think this was kind of the end of that Harrison-type run of, Mm -hmm. you know, starting with Star Wars and then Indiana Jones and then rolling through the 80s with all his stuff there and then hitting... He uh, had a couple things that were a little 
unique with like presumed innocent and um yeah but i mean the bread and butter was i mean the bread and butter every couple years you've got him he's indiana jones he's jack ryan he's dealing with president rude balls he's the fugitive (laughs) and then he's air force one and then he's oh he's kind of falling off and then he doesn't look like he gives nine shits again until the force awakens (laughs) Uh, pretty much yeah. yeah um so I don't know. Uh, it's been, again, a very long time since I've gone back and rewatched this. This is one that may hold up a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how well this one would age. Well, how about Liar Liar, that, that uh, sweet spot version of Jim Carrey where he was just evolving out of the crazy, crazy, crazy comedy, and it was just <laughs> before he started the, rolling the, into the drama. The end of the mask era performances. Yeah, but it was more like grounded. It was like the first time no, he definitely done... had more grounding in this. I feel like this is this, this is the is bridge. Probably, honestly, one of his more balanced performances. Yeah, this is kind of the bridge between the heavy drama and the early goofy. And this was yeah. kind of like, well, he's got the goofy, but he's still doing heavy kind of sort of stuff. And uh, it holds it's up. Okay. It's enough. It's okay. It's funny enough. That's a, there you go. It's, 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 score of liar, liar. There's, there's damning enough. praise. It's funny enough. <laughs> there, there are definitely bits in here that I enjoy. Um, some of it gets a little bit too schlocky for my taste, but um, yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, if it was on, I'd, I'd rewatch it. Would, would you do any gymnastics to fight velociraptors? <laughs> oh, all right. Now, again. Talk about everybody in a theater realizing they'd been had and turning on a movie. <laughs> God, there is just nothing positive to say about this other than it ended. Um, Lost World, Jurassic Park. I mean, the soundtrack is bad and phoned in. The directing and the story are bad and phoned in. I don't, I don't know what to say about the acting. I mean, it's it's just pure nonsense. <laughs> But, it, hey, it has a crazy scene where there's an RV and Julianne Moore getting pushed over the edge of a cliff. Now let's take this baby T-Rex for no good reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, this uh, this just misses on this is, nearly every level. <laughs> this is one of the few times that you can actually legitimately say, oh, Spielberg didn't care at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. what's he doing here? No, nobody in this movie cared at all. I mean, seriously. It is it is just the epitome of if you want some background noise when you're dozing on the couch, it might be okay. But to actually watch it? Uh, I don't think it's not that they don't uh, care. Because anybody, it, to be fair, anybody going and spending this much of their life and working every day they care some level when they're making something but i think what we're thinking is it this the the top down didn't care because it was like well we got to do what they did before and let's do it again and they didn't and like you know everybody tried and everybody's given their all but there was nothing to work with it was like well Well, again i don't know if this is all that i've i haven't read the book the book could have its problems and depending on how much they were clinging to the source material that could explain some of this i don't know but just just the massive come down from what had preceded this movie (laughs) uh yeah and it would go to number three and go and then uh we 
suddenly get back to a billion dollars with Jurassic World, and now we're in a whole new world of franchise with the same movie. And so well, here, all right, not to go too deep down this particular rabbit hole, but just for kicks, we're we're talking about this as a sequel and everything. Do you think it's possible to make a good sequel? I mean. Jurassic World was basically repackaging a lot of just the original Jurassic Park. Well, no, Jurassic World was its own animal <laughs> pun, uh, but I, it and it was okay. It did what it had to do to restart the franchise and make it something different. But as far as sequel, I mean, are you are you holding out much hope that whatever they crank out as a follow up to that? is going to do a better job than this follow-up did for the original Jurassic Park. See, I don't hold any real hope, period, because I saw Jurassic World, and it was okay enough. I mean, I, that's mm-hmm. my biggest thing, is it was okay enough. Is that coming out next year? I don't remember, maybe. But I'm not really super up on... Whenever the movie comes out, the sequel with Chris Pratt and... Bryce Dallas Howard will come out and I'll see it, but I'm not like anticipating. Oh my God. I, it, I it, just feel, I just feel like this is one that's got the jaws problem. Yeah, sort of, but you have more to go with here. I mean, number one, it's on land. So it's well, okay, a little bit easier. Helps. It's like yeah, jaws too. stay I'll away give from you that. I'll so, give you that. Uh, this um, has a little bit more where, okay, you, you could have, well, you got this whole island full of dinosaurs. What do we do with that information? Let's not have Jeff Goldblum and Julianne Moore go after it. Let's figure out something else. So I don't know exactly what that would be because I'm not a huge Jurassic Park fiend to begin with. I thought they were good no, enough. I'm not, I'm not either. But. but as far as what you do with it, obviously there's got to be something there. If you've got a whole island full of dinosaurs in the modern day, that in and of itself should be enough for somebody who's passionate enough about the, the this kind of subject material you, to come up with you something. Flip the premise on its ear. They travel through time for some reason with a killer <laughs> robot driving instructor <laughs> back to the Jurassic era, and they have to survive in the dinosaurs world. Uh, Howard, you did it again. <laughs> I don't know. It's a future episode, we'll talk about uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, and I think in a future episode, we won't talk about Men in Black. Um, Men in Black. Uh, fine for the time, a couple sequels. Yeah. Fine for the time. This unique little comic book uh, nothingness that spawned kind of really... Uh, the double punch there of Independence Day and this made Will Smith, Will Smith. Um, yep. Tommy Lee Jones and his gruffy, gruffiness. <laughs> well, uh, when he wasn't fighting a volcano, he was protecting the world. <laughs> um, I would definitely say it's this falls into that 1997 trap of, wow, that's a hell of an idea. Wow, I don't know. There's something about the movie that doesn't seem like you guys maximized everything. To disagree, <laughs> <laughs> who can beat Vincent D'Onofrio? Though I mean, he's, he's fantastic. He's the kingpin, after all. Um, I don't know. I can almost see them. You'd have to probably give it a few more years, but I can almost see them trying to reboot this with totally new people. It's possible because you had this one, and then the god awful second one. Oh my 
God, that was painful. And then the yeah, third I've never one, subjected myself to that because everybody says the exact same thing about that movie. I've never heard anybody say anything positive about Men in Black 2. And then the third one, it's like on a scale of 1 to 10, if the first Men in Black was like a, a, a 7, Men in Black 2 is like a one and a half. And then Men mm-hmm. in Black 3 is like a 5. It's like, okay, you sort of kind of got yourself back up into a C-minus range, and now we can move on and never see you guys do this again. Hopefully, please. Um, well, I was going to say, would this would this be a stronger movie in our memories if there weren't any sequels? I don't know. I, it, I think this one would be definitely, and I still think it is, I think this one's just kind of lost to time. It's like a... It, it's 99 on the 100 list of people saying, what movie franchises do you remember out there? <laughs> and somewhere along the line, somebody's like, oh, God, now i got to really start thinking, huh? Okay. It's probably because of the song, honestly, that most people remember. The- it's possible. Or just the simple fact of what made Will Smith Will Smith, and that's if you know that's where your brain goes, it's going to go to Independence Day and this. I mean, really the one-two punch that kind of mm-hmm. made him cruise on forever. Um, but speaking of a, going on a cruise, uh, we <laughs> oh, have the one thing of the, that was supposed to be a major flop. Yes. The, the, just from a number standpoint, uh, looking at this list and just creeping up steadily and surely at 229 or 181000000 million, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Titanic. I, uh, yeah, I remember seeing the poster and I wish I would have kept one when I was working in that office from when it was supposed to be coming out in the summer and the image was the name Titanic on this kind of riveted image, uh, you know, diagonally, like it was going down on the poster and it's coming summer 97 and it got delayed and, oh man, what is this mess? And it's costly. And James Cameron, didn't he learn? You can't go on the water. Why are you doing this? And here we are 20 years later. It is, still somehow in our modern day of billion dollar movies always and everything else and when star wars was creeping up it's still up there it's still (laughs) there um avatar may have surpassed this as far as the box office goes oh yeah Uh, Yeah. again this is this is still probably i think for most people the movie that they remember um connecting with much much more than that as far as like top grossing movies go i just you know we'll see what happens with the promised sequels as far as avatar goes but i think titanic just resonates um in a much much different way and it was just amazing i mean i remember that was the heat of my time of entertainment weekly and watching e news channel <laughs> and they'd have their with steve Kometko. steve Kometko and jules asner yep Oh, man, there's names that roll off the tongue I haven't thought of in 20 years. <laughs> Google them up, kids. You'll see what we saw, what our pre-internet days were like. But I just remember it was like every Monday I'd watch the E! News channel or yeah, and they'd have their, their uh, you know, box office recap. And it's like, well, number one, Titanic again. <laughs> and it was, I mean, kids, we're, this was a different world. It was literally number one at the box office from when it came out in mid-December to when Lost in Space starring Matt LeBlanc came out in like April or May. 
Yeah. And it's you like, got to go back to the original Star Wars run to get something with that kind of staying it, power. But I mean, and this is like, okay, you have to understand it was not in the box office. It was number one at the weekly box, the U.S. <laughs> box office every week. Nothing beat it in the box office for number one. That was absolutely ridiculous. It I was, forget why did why did they push it back? Because it was just taking too long to do the effects and everything else. Yeah, I kind of figured it was effects. It was just delays okay. after delays, and that's why. I, oh my god, this thing is a, a mess, and it's just oh, no, it's not. It's a mess full <laughs> of money. Is what it is. It's. Uh, Oh man, it was just that, that, it's lightning, lightning in a bottle when it comes to film. It really it was, is. and you know, I saw it a couple years ago, and it's not like oh my god, greatest film ever. But I mean, it holds up. It certainly is a good movie, and I think it deserved well, it, everything it got when it came it, out. And it it emotionally invests people, and I mean, I think that's the important thing to stress. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if there's a lesson to take away from the success of this particular film. Yeah, so it was a big spectacle, and it just it capitalized on everything it had going for it. It made superstars out of Leo and Leo. Kate, and it was, you know, Celine Dion became a super, super, superstar just because of this. And, um, yeah, it just was amazing. And has set the precedent for every ten years. James Cameron's going to make a movie that makes a billion dollars without blinking. Apparently, for He's some James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was something. It was quite a. Uh, people always talk about like, oh my god, remember when Batmania hit nineteen eighty nine, or oh man, remember when you know oh, yeah, Star Wars yeah. in seventy seven, or. Uh, yeah, this was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, people don't mention Definitely. that first six months of 1998 was Titanic everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was everything, every cover of every magazine. Leo! <laughs> yeah, and you literally could not go more than a day without somewhere hearing that song. Yeah, it was, it was quite astounding. Like I said, it's just so weird to, when Force Awakens was churning up the box office list and you're like oh yeah i've seen all these movies that came out within like the last seven eight years or whatever and then all of a sudden and then titanic in 1997 it's like this is not this is not inflation adjusted money either this is 600 million dollars in 1998 that's just crazy but that is 1997 <laughs> What a weird year. <laughs> what a weird year where we saw everything and nothing really stands out outside of a couple of things here and there as far as like greatest films of all time. It's just a whole lot of mediocrity. I wonder what it was about that era. I mentioned the writer's strike stuff. I wonder if that impacted some of these other movies, too. It's possible. I, I don't remember a writer strike, but I guess you remember looking at something. Uh, did you? Well, I just something? I just remember I just remember there being uh, issues with getting the script together for Tomorrow Never Dies, and I think. Are you um, sure you're not thinking of uh, Quantum of Solace? Because that was the writer strike in like '07 and '08. Oh, uh, maybe I am. I don't know. I don't remember any writer strike stuff around here. I just remember it was just. 
was just a whole lot of pale nothing. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just like in TV. We always talk about how we were just coming out of the run of, well, let's just put the same thing on every week and people will eat it up. And we were about a year or two away from, you know what, let's put something on the air that actually people will get invested in and watch from week to week as things change. And, um, I, I think the movies were kind of in the same boat. We're like, well, we we got to make some franchises, and oh, we'll let those little art house guys do their indie films. And then this year was kind of, well, let's just kind of do stuff because we got to put movies out. <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> so you guys like stuff? Yeah, because you have a whole bunch of, well, we finished this up. It's another sequel. Oh, it's not good. Okay, well, how about another sequel? No, it's not good. Well... And then you have, well, let's do something original. Cool. And they start off sequels. And so this is a weird culmination point. Okay. I think I think what we should commit ourselves to doing, just looking here at, the, at a snippet of this list, is we got to find a way to write a movie that just intersperses all of these. <laughs> called 1990, or called 97. <laughs> <laughs> so... Matt Matt Damon is working as a janitor at the White House when he gets to tag along on Air Force One <laughs> when they're informed of an outbreak of dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. <laughs> but they all get blown up by an alien that causes the men in black to come in and save them with John Cusack coming in with his gun to work with the men in black as a gun for hire. And one of the aliens takes their face off. <laughs> and the face is taken off to reveal the face of Austin Powers, a frozen agent from the late 60s. <laughs> Meanwhile, we make contact with an alien race. <laughs> yes, Jodie Foster works with the men in black to make contact. Who are trying to reach Hercules because time and space works differently. <laughs> but suddenly the mimic and the relic are in these sewers and run up against the dinosaurs from Jurassic World. <laughs> and then at the very end, Jack Nicholson just turns to the camera and says, maybe this is as good as 1997 gets. <laughs> and then... Julia Roberts pushes Cameron Diaz over. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Okay, but... Ah!